0: okay yeah we're back (laughs) back to talking about the transhumanist agenda or the great reset as it's now called thoughts (laughs) thoughts on the lotteries like do you think the lotteries for the vaccines are going to turn into something else like there's going to be something after that, that's even more dystopian.
1: (laughs) Uh, I would like to hope not, but I mean, at this point, I've kind of taken the approach that you can't really rule too much of anything out and you got to kind of look, uh, I know this is going to sound a little crazy to some people, but some of the most craziest theories, you have to just take it, take it and look at each one of those and examine that to see, is there even a shred of truth? And what we're seeing, and I think about a lot of the stuff, which I mean, I grew up on a lot of the 80s fiction, you know, 90s fiction, Mm -hmm. and it was always geared towards technology and how it's going to be, you know, the advancement in our life. And then you notice more and more movies, they start talking about the different technology. And if you look a lot more out in Asia, they've been actually working (laughs) on a lot of that technology. For people who have lost limbs, so it's not far-fetched to already see the applications of transhumanism, and then going on to, you know, the brain chip with Elon Musk. I mean, mm-hmm. the possibilities are endless. And then not even, not even. I can't forget about uh, what is it? The new trend about the whole bio biohack thing, where people literally have a chip in them
0: mm-hmm. where they monitor whatever their, you know, whatever their body's doing, how many calories they have, <clears throat> how many negative toxins. That's what they want to like do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so it's everywhere like, you already see people
1: doing it on a voluntary level. I mean, you see people doing it with their mortgages, all kind of stuff throughout Europe, so. Yeah. I, I already see the applications because people are doing it voluntarily, but where does that go?
0: Like, Like a year ago... We were saying, or even more than a year ago, I was saying like, so it starts with the masks and then it goes to the the vaccine passport thing or microchip, whichever one, <laughs> but like, that's how it starts. Like once you capitulate a little bit, then they'll just keep seeing how much you're you're going to deal with. And then now it's at the point where there's so many people turning against each other, and becoming totally robotic. And just doing as, as they're told by the government. People who wouldn't have done this two years ago. Or an, a year and a half ago. Are, are doing this stupid shit. And buying everything they're selling. And it's just very disturbing. It's very much like they live. Like that was a d- documentary really. It really was. Because now you see people. Like I saw a video of this dude. Just like going off on people in masks at this like donut place on Twitter <clears throat> it wasn't originally from Twitter, but it, I saw it on Twitter and he was like, you're the reason I don't have a job. And uh, you know, my gym is closed and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, they're not, but okay. They got you to, to, to be mad at them instead of the people who put you in that position. Uh, so that's good for the, the lockdown supporting elites who Who put you in that position the people at the top who are not at that donut shop so I think the key going forward is to just not lose our heads and not blame each other for things that are out of our control that people do get conditioned to do things that's part of the programming and we we have to deprogram each other and not blame each other and not yell at each other and be more united as a as a people or we're just gonna keep getting divided until it's like haves and have-nots you know because it'll be the social credit system the rationing of foods and wa- food and water and all that stuff so i think going forward you know you just need to be as empathetic as possible and that's what i've been working on a lot lately being well, more human
1: yeah i mean I, I hear exactly what you're saying that's the reason why um throughout my channels each each channel i'm kind of doing it in a different way but i'm still trying to convey the same message across the board that we need to wake up to the propaganda that's being fed and the way we are looking at certain things yes Um, i mean this is a little bit off topic but kind of still on topic in the same way um i was kind of getting into it with somebody on um, twitter earlier and. they asked very simple question why are we in the situation we're in you know and i basically say you know the elites and they jumped all down my throat about oh well you don't know this and you don't know that and i'm like well it's pretty easy to follow uh campaign donations and figure out this and that and they started going down a rant of I can tell you don't know anything. You don't have a background in this. You've never been anywhere. You've probably never been outside of your own zip code. And I'm thinking, wow. The reason why people act that way is because they've been fed a certain narrative for so long. Mm -hmm. And a certain perspective. And if you come from the business community, you think every politician needs to be a businessman to understand how to run the country. But... In essence, if you look at the government, most of the politicians, not only in America, around the world, most of the politicians are lawyers or doctors, not businessmen. And so that whole narrative about, uh, and and that's, I mean, just going into, without going too deep into that, what I was saying is perception. If, If you only look from a certain perception, you only see one side of what's going on, and I kind of see at this point, it is a haves versus have not, But where the divide is, it started to kind of increase has been kind of an age divide because my theory is a lot of our parents, you know, aunts and uncles, they have had time to save up money, to buy a house, to build equity, things like that, before a lot of these things have started happening so some of them are not as alert to all of these things that are going on you know whether it's poverty or whether it's some of these other more nefarious agendas so they're more laid back and still trusting the overall narrative without breaking out and searching for any deeper truths
0: yeah I think it's tough when you're in a country and there's so many countries that are, have this problem where it's 24 7 like propaganda now now more than ever there's just propaganda wherever you go get the shot get the shot get the shot get the shot and like if you don't get the shot you're gonna die of COVID. like it's just everywhere and it's really hard to avoid and eventually if they see it enough people who maybe not are not as aware of things that are going on are going to be more susceptible to that and lash out at others who don't see it all the time or ignore it
1: well well, it's very frustrating think about it have you ever think about how many times where you've heard this song on the radio and the first like probably 30 times you heard the song you couldn't stand it and then after a while, now you're singing this song, which gets on your damn nerves. Yeah, and it's because of that repetitive indoctrination, which you're getting fed over and over and over. Mm-hmm. Oh, excuse me, because they know that if we just keep pushing this message out there and not giving any kind of information which is contrary to the to the narrative, to give a balanced perspective, then it's going to take away excuses for people to say why they're not going to take it. Mm -hmm. And so the questions which are never asked is, okay, well, what is the age range of the people which are actually dying? Um, Can we get some actual numbers? Can we get some figures on to if they had any other ailments? There's no other questions that are being asked at all. No. There's no questions about, okay, are there... Are there natural herbal, uh, herbal remedies which you could just be using to help boost your immune system?
0: And they never talk that, about that.
1: That None of these things are even talked about in the media. It's just about, okay, mass and let's do a vaccination. And everything has to relate back to a big pharma solution from my perspective.
0: Yeah. I, ag- I agree. That's what I've seen. I don't watch television, so I only see what my feed tells me like certain propaganda videos that that have been aired (laughs) and it's very frustrating to see because it's so transparent when you're used to it so much and you've already become aware of it and kind of like you know are able to stop it from entering your brain to that capacity where it makes any difference to you so you see one thing and you're just like this is the stupidest shit i've ever seen and then somebody else will see and they'll be like yes that's that's right we should do this and it's like who who are you (laughs) who and then you also wonder like when you see things online how many of these people are real or how many are they are paid by whomever or are bots entirely. Like you don't know who's real and who's not online anymore. So that's more reason to like get out there and talk to people in real life, because that's the only way you're gonna get like a consensus of where we're at in society, if it's too late or not. And I don't think it's too late. Um, And also, you know, there's stuff to be said for, you know, YouTube has its issues. Obviously it's horrible um, in many ways. Everybody knows it's horrible in many ways but there is a community of people. There are people who dislike Bill Gates videos or whatever (laughs) and they say shit and I feel really good knowing that there are people who are saying shit that I think that everybody else in this comment section will pretty much agree on the same thing and that makes me hopeful that people are seeing through all of this shit and are voicing their opinion as long as they're allowed to before the comments get disabled. <laughs> but, you know, um, that makes me a little bit more excited. Well, I, I, I feel that's one of the brightest
1: spots that, that I feel like I can see. Um, though from the, I guess, uh, I guess more elite, a level or I guess uh, upper middle-class liberal mindset, they look at everything as everything's more destabilized right now and i look at it as no people are just more alert to what's going on and they're starting to be more conscious of not only what's going on here in america but what's going on all around the world and and you know israel palestine's an example uh, people are starting to change their tune uh to a degree it's it's allowed to actually come out and criticize you know the apartheid state there mm-hmm. you have what's going on um with uh bolsonaro in brazil um you have so many situations, I mean, people are uh, paying more attention to the situation um, with China and Taiwan and the Uyghur Muslims. So I, I feel like it is, uh, it is something that we can look at to a, a positive spot that people are actually starting to pay more attention. It's just a matter of what are people going to do now that they're paying more attention. If you have that information, your job should be to pass on that information to help to help you know the masses because it's fine if if you know and a handful more of us know but it doesn't do any good until you kind of wake up the monster in in a sense you know it's kind of like the elites are that that i guess what wasp or um what is it mosquito that's buzzing around the big elephant Mm-hmm. and we the people are the big elephant yeah and we're just getting sucked dry and at some point the whole elephant has to get its whole head up get its legs yes. up get on its feet and deal with the deal with the uh the mosquito that's attacking it
0: and also take responsibility you know there's so much that people learn after they've been programmed for so long and then they're like oh shit i was wrong about this and that and the other well yeah well maybe you shouldn't have treated these other people like shit who were saying who were warning you about things and now you get to go back and be like well i didn't mean any all all of that stuff but you you didn't really make up for what you did and especially like google and the people at the top like who censor all these platforms and everything all these people on these platforms including doctors and scientists like they should come out and be like oops um well we are ap- apologizing for that <laughs> but you know they're just so unlikely to do that but there is some hope in that regard because there well, have been some whistleblowers look at the way
1: the media handles it when they make it uh, when they screw up on something normally what they'll do is they will run all of their errors um mm-hmm on their what is it like They're 3 a.m like on the east coast time time slot say 1 a.m to 3 a.m and they'll space them apart and they'll just run them on the little ticker across the bottom they don't even get on there and really talk about it unless it's one of the individual hosts and they really like put their foot in it
0: and then but, also yeah. like on twitter when they have like a shitty tweet that's not true then they'll just uh, do a correction tweet that won't get half of the audience that that tweet got. So it won't even make any difference. And the the lie is already out there at that point. So they don't delete their tweets. So if you make a tweet and you're totally full of shit in the tweet, if you're a media organization, you should delete that tweet. You should not correct it. Just retract it from existence because it's going to do more bad than good.
1: That's even if they correct it. I've seen some of them Admit that they were wrong, but still leave the tweets
0: up. That yeah, that happens too. They don't even actually correct it. It's, they want to be right. These bloggers, these journalists, fake journalists that they are, uh, for these outlets, want to be right so badly. Even when they're wrong, they have to be right, and that's that's not good. And that's been going on for a few years now on on Twitter and I guess social uh, social media in general. But it's it's to the point where it's like you're doing such a disservice to your audience and you're just not a good person if you're just gonna keep doing that keep giving information that's not true and then twitter won't call you on it because they only call you call people on negative things about big pharma so they're not gonna go off on you um, and take your tweet down so you know you're in a higher position you're in a better position than most and you should take take it you know, take responsibility for your actions and make up for saying lies online. If you're going to say that shit about medical misinformation or whatever, you got to do your own due diligence.
1: (laughs) Well, and another thing we got to keep in mind, and it's funny because when I talk to people and I ask them these things individually, they'll, they'll completely admit to it. But as soon as I kind of put it all together that's when they have to reject it. Like I'll say, now, you remember, say, 20 years ago, how many different uh, media companies that there were, that they were all broken apart. Now you look at how how many there are now and how many of them are intermingled within the same corporations, basically um, little monopolies. And if you look at more and more of our telecommunications, our social media, all of it is mostly monopolized Yes. to a handful of companies that route up to a handful of executives. I mean, now, maybe it's in the thousands, but if you think only thousands of people are really making most of the major decisions, which happen throughout the, the billions of people in the world, what they're actually able to see. What's even deemed news to be brought up in the first place? Because I mm-hmm. mean, think about how many stories that are just not even talked about at all on on any news sources, or if it's in a small area, maybe they decide, ah, whatever, we're not gonna talk about this. Maybe a celebrity died across town. So that's the story that gets covered, instead of, you know, this husband who kills his whole, you know, family of eight. Yeah. I mean, the media just, the we don't take, and and, and I, I don't want to fault everybody and, and be so harsh against everybody, because this has been worked on and millions of dollars have been spent to figure out how do we distract these people mm-hmm. and how do we get them to listen to which narratives we want them to. Now, if you think about it, um, sports, for instance, which is a multi-billion dollar industry, professional sports, Years ago, there used to be breaks in between the seasons. Now, if you look, almost all of the seasons, all the major sports, they go right on top of each other. Now, it seems like the Olympics is every five minutes also.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: it, it, it's like more and more events. And if you go back to, you know, one of the old famous quotes, which I know I'm going to jack it up. It says, give them bread and circus. Um, but that's what's going on. Here's the next new TV show. Here's the new uh, yeah. reality TV show. Even during a, a pandemic, movie. you know, it's it's brand new game, whatever. The new makeup uh, tips. It's just gets you distracted on everything else.
0: Yeah, like even during a pandemic, they there be different rules for people in front of the camera, which I've I've allu- I've talked about at <laughs> nauseum lately, but you know the actors can stand in front of a camera with no mask on and, and interact like it's no big deal. But the people behind the scenes who are shooting everything have to stay away from each other. Can't wear, they have to wear a mask. It's just different rules for different people. And that's just so we can entertain the masses. We have to continue entertaining people even during a pandemic because we got to make money, you know, it's all about money. So that's why I think like, if, something's going on in a grocery store or whatever and you don't like what's going on uh, with the vaccines and everything then just boycott it and tell other people to not you know that they have the choice they they don't have to go shop at this particular place or go to this particular place when the vaccine passports come out then you can you know step aside and be like okay well i'm not a customer there so if enough people did that or didn't go to these venues, these outside venues where they have vaxxed and unvaxxed people, then they would see where the money's at. It ain't there, <laughs> and they will uh, act accordingly. And they'll be like, "Oh well, you know what? The mass mandate's not that big a deal, and and you know we can." We can go back to the masks or whatever. We can just, you know, let's not social distance and let's get back to normal, blah, blah, blah. And we value freedom and whatever they're going to say. But it's all about money in the end. Like if you take away their money, (laughs) then they will react. And they usually will react in a very uh, predictable way (laughs) because they don't want to lose that money. And you are the sheep. So it's important that the sheep, not... Be in a herd they go elsewhere and they go graze over here or over there but you know not being a line to the slaughter like that's the the part that you play in the whole thing is we all have individual power and we can we can decide what we're going to do and what we're not going to do individually and make a huge difference as a group entirely but yeah it's just I, a matter of uh, I, I and
1: i i feel like The problem that we have is that because of the power of, you know, the corporate legacy media and because they're all on basically the same, you know, let's just say they're on the same page as far as everything dealing with COVID. The problem is once you get into the different states, you have different information. You have this county, which is enforcing this, this county, which is not enforcing that. You have um, these people were saying, no, we're definitely not messing with uh, the COVID shot. Then you have these other people that they're saying, you know, I don't care if the CDC says you don't have to wear masks. We're going to wear two masks. And so you have so much confusion going on. And like I said before, talking about the propaganda, I mean, well, talking about all the events and the distractions which you go through with all of these distractions going on and people focused on, well, I just got to worry about the playoffs and I wonder if LeBron's going to play tonight. If you have all of those things going on and then all of this confusion between which cities are doing this, which States are doing that um, people who are not as engaged, they're just going to follow whatever they feel is the most authoritative source. And at this point, majority of the media, even though they say, I mean, majority of the population, even though they say that, oh, well, we don't really trust the media, they still listen to them when it comes to major, uh, major things like COVID or natural disasters or, you know, uh, mass shootings, things like that, you know, they might ignore them on politics, but as soon as it comes to, should you get the shot or not, they completely just listen to everything.
0: Yeah, I think those people need to be dealt with a certain way, but I don't think yelling at them outside of a donut shop is the way to do it. I think you, you just got to be more intelligent and and not superior. Like p- certain people act superior around others, and it really turns people off. So I think if you that's where the empathy comes in. <laughs> if you treat everyone like a human being, they're less likely to become a machine. I feel like. So I think that's the key. I think treating everyone with respect is a good way to go in getting to that level that we need to get to because if you treat them with respect, you give them information in a, in a concise manner, then they can look at that information. They're they're more likely to look at that information and really think about it. If you yell at them and tell them to look at this information, they're not going to look at that information at all because they feel like they've been attacked. So I think That's the key to kind of dealing with the situation at hand Um, in terms of like entertainment. Like that's always been around and it is a distraction as well. Um, It's a way to keep us compliant and docile. And, you know, whenever they can stir things up, they'll do that with race riots or with uh, COVID, COVID idiots, as they call them, <laughs> and the the anti vaxxer marches and everything that they call them. Now, like they'll, and then the January sixth kind of people, you know, they're they're gonna have little bits and pieces of of uh, chaos just to throw into the mix uh, to keep you dumbed down and keep you like focused on one and thing. Then a,
1: uh, and then another thing, sorry to interrupt you, but um, with You're the uh, anti vaxxers people got to keep in mind that. Um, the anti-vaxxer movement has been going long before COVID. There were a yes. lot of people who who were skeptical of vaccinations and have opted out of using vaccinations and, and have went to um, uh, more uh, more herbal uh, traditional remedies, even I mean, smallpox. Remedies.
0: Yes, in like yeah, 1890s, so- like there was a big movement in the 1890s when it became a big thing, or was it like early? was it before 1890s i don't remember anti-vaccination anti-vaccine movement a society anti-vaccine society anti-vaccination society yeah uh of america specifically that was founded in 1879 so it's important again that people know their history and i already like put uh the leicester um movement anti-vaccine movement um pdf on one of the previous episodes of my show a super awkward Funcast, and i talked about that whole thing and then they have the national anti-vaccination league the anti-vaccination league of america and this wasn't just america that was in the england in the uk leicester and uh or leicester i'm not really sure how to pronounce it and then um like it was a worldwide thing where people were just like, wait a minute, do we really want to put have compulsory vaccination? Because that was a thing then, so they're bringing that back now. But it was already a thing back in the past, way before the swine flu, not swine flu, <laughs> the uh, the the flu epidemic of 1918, <laughs> the one that we're not oh, supposed Spanish to call flu. the Spanish flu, <laughs> but <laughs> but we have we can call that Spanish flu, but we can't call the new one the Chinese virus china virus well, but
1: and, and the messed up thing about it is it actually started like not that far from where i grew up in, uh, in leavenworth kansas so it, it was a soldier who had it there and when he got transferred over you know to the war fronts in spain that's when he starts spreading it over there and then it got the name the spanish flu yes
0: so it's very similar to how- this as well because <laughs> this didn't start in china a lot of people are saying that it started here um at fort dietrich or somewhere in that area uh it could have started here i mean that's a theory but you know it just shows how history repeats that we're having the same conversation that we had back then i'm sure
1: or even if it's the other theory from you know it being uh uh, leaks from the um you know lab we got to remember who was that funded by though
0: exactly it's not just so China. Thing, China was to skirt it's in the laws.
1: It still, you know, has United States hands um, on it.
0: Exactly. And uh, the National Anti-Vaccination League was founded in Britain in 1866. So that was even earlier than the American one. And it was originally under the title Anti-Compulsory Vaccination League because that was a thing that they were already doing. But in Leicester specifically, or Leicester, I'm not really sure, again, the pronunciation. But uh, in the UK they had politicians who had power and they were able to to get rid of the compulsory vaccination for everyone. Uh, It was like they had exemptions and stuff. So I'm hoping that history will repeat again And we'll have people standing up and being like, no, this is not okay when it gets to the vaccine mandate thing, which is already being talked about in so many different businesses in the private sector. But this time they're not going to do it nationally because they learned from history and they're like, oh, we don't want to take the blame for that. (laughs) So we're going to make you guys fight it out (laughs) with these businesses that were closed forever. And now they have to open up and they're doing the wrong thing. And now you got to call them on it. And they go out of business or you don't get your hair cut or you don't get your food or whatever. But you know, somebody's gonna get hurt and it won't be the elites, that's for sure. Not this time. And
1: well, it never is the elites elite until like every couple hundred years, you know.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so,
1: so yeah, we won't uh, we won't uh, expand on that that um that thought there, but you all know where we're going. <laughs>
0: oh yeah and so the great reset is coming up and it's just so obvious what they're doing now and then i don't know if you know about the quantum dot tattoo thing from bill gates or whatever his his funding it, it wouldn't be possible without his funding <laughs> um what's that
1: I've heard, I've heard a little bit about it but uh please please uh inform me oh they scrubbed
0: that one from the internet by the way and i had to find it on archive.org fun fact Um, I don't remember which episode, it was probably something COVID related, (laughs) that I had that one in the sources, but it was from Rice University, I know that much, I remember, and this dude was like thankful so much for the research, for the um, money given by Gates Foundation, he said it wouldn't be possible without them, for them to develop this quantum dot, dot tattoo, which has, I think, nanotechnology in it. So super creepy. Um, but we're not allowed to talk about that. And uh, he's totally just a good Samaritan uh, philanthropist who hung out with Jeffrey Epstein a few times. But he never went to that <laughs> island. God damn it! He never went. <laughs> he went to the island ever. Um, Sure. there it is and, and, found it uh, how long have
1: they known each other and he's never been to the
0: island right okay I found the archive.org link so I'll tell you what it is do 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 it's about vaccinations so it's re- relevant rice bioengineer reveals dissolving microneedles that also embed fluorescent medical info so this is right on track with what we're talking about December 18 2019. And this is from Rice University, News and Media Relations. You can't get more legit than that. <laughs> it's not like a regular like, media outlet. It's the actual university. Keeping track of a child's shots could be so much easier with technology invented by a new Rice edu- University professor and his colleagues. Kevin McHugh and a team of at his previous institution the massachusetts institute of technology which is so interesting because that's related to gates as well because he gave like five million dollars or so through epstein to that university and then joy ito who was at the head of the media lab uh ended up having to resign about that so that's interesting that that would come up report in a cover story in science translational medicine on their development of quantum dot tags that fluorescence nope fluoresce with information after they're injected as part of a vaccination the tags are incorporated in only some of the array of sugar-based microneedles on a patch when the needles dissolve in about two minutes they deliver the vaccine and leave the pattern of tags just under the skin where they become something like a barcode tattoo instead of ink this highly specific medical record consists of copper based quantum dots embedded in micro micro i don't know why i said that Biocompatible micron scale capsules their near infrared dye is invisible but the pattern they set can be read and interpreted by a customized smartphone. How interesting. The two-year project is aimed at the 1.5 million preventable deaths that result from a lack of vaccinations primarily in developing nations the bill and melinda gates foundation came to us and said hey we have a real problem knowing who's vaccinated said mchugh who was recruited to join rice with funding from the cancer prevention and research institute of texas they said we go on vaccination campaigns where people get into hummers drive to a rural village set up a tent and start immunizing people but they don't always know who's been immunized before and what vaccines are still needed parents often don't know their children's vaccination histories he said so our idea was to put the record on the person this way later on people can scan over the area to see what vaccines have been administered and give only the ones still needed so not going too deep into that but that's like where they came in (laughs) Hey, you know what? We should do this. You you got a good idea there, Bill Gates. <laughs> Could I have some money? Sure.
1: Well, my thing is, we keep finding sources like this. You had um, Rice University. You had uh, Massachusetts University. Um, and they're literally talking about this tech. We literally see money ties. And then everybody says, oh, you guys don't have any proof. I know. you just conspiracy theorists. And I'm like... What do you want us, to, I mean, do you want him to literally have to come out and say, yes, this is exactly what I'm doing. Yeah, uh, yes. This You're is exactly all getting what's going on. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's kind of like when a, when a cop arrests somebody, do you expect them to be like, yes, I'm the person who murdered, <laughs> you know, the 12 people in that house. Yes, I robbed the bank. Do you expect the person to just automatically admit everything that's suspected of them?
0: Honestly really seriously i mean jeffrey epstein never said he was into eugenics (laughs) but he was and he wanted to have all these children at his new mexico ranch (laughs) with all his sperm never said it but he did it (laughs) he did a lot of weird shit (laughs) good
1: thing nobody's
0: eating right now (laughs) (laughs) i'm sorry (laughs) oh man and the media came out with that like I know it's unbelievable, but this is what's happening. So you're supposed to believe everything that happened with Jeffrey Epstein. But once Bill Gates comes into the picture, who actually knew him, you're supposed to be like, no, he's a good dude. That's fine. <laughs> Was it
1: in Jeffrey Epstein's house where they had the the, uh, the Bill Clinton, like in the Monica Lewinsky yes. dress?
0: In Manhattan.
1: Oh, yes. Okay, all right. And, is it Manhattan? And didn't he have like, some so. kind of creepy like skull arrangement or something in there?
0: Oh, he had all kinds of creepy shit, especially in the West Palm Beach one, because they had like a whole raid that was on YouTube for a while. And then you had to really find it and really try and find it. And then you couldn't find it like as it was before it was just like a report on Fox news or some shit, but there was a raid at his, uh, mansion in Florida and they found all kinds of weird shit there. And then there was another, um, like a a media raid that true news did who have their own issues. Like they're very um, biased, but they were at the new Mexican ranch and they like kind of broke in. (laughs) They didn't break in, but like they saw things around the place that were, that was weird. And then there was a dude, rusty Shackelford or whoever, uh, who is on YouTube still with the videos from his drone footage, um, of the, the Virgin Islands, the, the St. James, little St. James and everything that went on there with this weird disappearing ambulance. There was a lot of weird shit right after, like before and after he died, you can, or died, you can tell, you know, what's going on on the island and see that something's going amiss there like something's up with the workers and what are they planning and they're like setting up deck chairs and shit it's like why (laughs) he's dead (laughs) but there's like events still going on there that we don't really know about but luckily there are people no like this was before it was like a over a year ago that he was like getting this footage he or she or whoever and then they just stopped after a while but they got the raid after the hurricane I forgot Dorian Dorian that hurricane and then they like boarded up windows and stuff and then they he got the FBI raid that was in progress and they like tried to get him not to see anything and like boarded up the window with the uh, uh cardboard f- from Home Depot <laughs> and then they're like never mind that and then they got like a real um blanket or something and put it over the window so he couldn't see in <laughs> so there was some shit going on they were probably destroying evidence at that point <laughs> it was like the nyc people uh and the fbi on the island they never raided the new mexican ranch the new mexico ranch and bill richardson has never ever really been taken a task for his relationship with jeffrey epstein either who is from new mexico
1: yeah, it was just a blip when, like, his name came up. They talked about him for, like, uh, I mean, maybe a week, and then it was gone.
0: Oh, yeah. And John Luke Burnell's still out there. And we got Leslie Wexner still thriving. So, they'll put out this information, but it won't go anywhere. And Gil and Maxwell's not going to court anytime soon, so. I mean, they said, they said July last time, but they'll probably like make it August and then make it December and just eventually keep delaying and delaying until everybody doesn't care about the trial anymore. That's what they do. Or until she kills herself. Allegedly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and one thing um, I, I forgot to bring it up last time, but um, when we were talking about how the cell is and with Jeffrey Epstein, one thing which they don't mention about those, those rooms which are designed um especially in in the place where he would have been held there's no place for you to tie it off on the ceiling no so what did he hang it from (laughs) is a question i mean what did he like hang it on i don't know somehow he managed to to hook it to his bed and like ran real fast and i i I don't know how that how that works i mean it, it doesn't make any sense you have breakaway sheets you don't have anywhere to hang it up, but somehow he hangs on breakaway sheets with nowhere to hang it above it.
0: Also, what's interesting um, that I don't hear a whole lot of people say about, but I just like thought about it for the first time like an idiot. But, you know, remember when he was like called this billionaire and everything all this time billionaire financier, billionaire financier, da da da. Well, after a while, the the um, article, articles started coming out from these different uh, media outlets saying, you know what? He actually was a multimillionaire. He didn't have billions of dollars, blah, blah, blah. Then he died. So it says here, like if you go to Wikipedia, for example, and the source on Wikipedia would be usa today which i kind of thought that was going to be usa today that's weird um from private island to private jet what is billionaire jeffrey epstein's net worth and that's from july 14 2020 but it says it was 559 million dollars so he was a billionaire for all this time. Everybody was calling him a billionaire. And then it turns out he was a multimillionaire. So what happened to the money? So I think at one point, I think he was a billionaire because why would they keep calling him a billionaire over and over and over again? It just doesn't make sense unless it's true. So eventually he had to give more and more money from his account to different people. So I would like to know who has that money. <laughs> I would like to know if it's possible that someone else has a... Has, uh, assets of his that we don't even know about i don't know i that's just a question i have personally about the situation because i feel like he was a billionaire for a long time and then all of a sudden he's a multimillionaire. it just doesn't make sense to me
1: well well this is this is my theory and all i can have is a theory because it's so murky when you start looking around him i mean there's people of course that that are that are i guess far better
0: researchers and i've had the time to dig deeper into it that can probably have better answers. Like Winnie Webb. Have. But my my
1: theory, and I'm putting this out there, declaring, you know, putting a disclaimer, this is just a theory. Um, I, my theory is that because he is backed up by a clandestine activity um, or group who has funded him and has allowed him to have this amount of net worth for a time to influence certain. Um, actions. And whether he's just kind of being an overseer at a certain place to gather information or to parlay certain things to happen under the radar, away from government and journalists prying eyes, um, I believe that that's a plausible explanation. Because if you look at the people which he's involved with, Mm -hmm. he was literally involved with every who's who in the so called top elites. I mean, he was connected to everybody. And the only way you're going to be connected with all those people or be able to be in the atmosphere is you got to have the money. And so somebody made sure that he had the money, or it it appeared he had the money to be able to put himself amongst these different people to either influence them or to, um, you know, further exchanges that they're trying to do or help broker out deals um and then at a certain time once he got compromised to a degree they realized we got to start parting ways with this guy so you know little by little by little they kind of let him drift in the wind until things got to the point they got to and they figured whether whether he's actually you know so-called killed himself or whether he was killed or whether he was faked and taken away they decided he needs to be out of the public eye.
0: Hmm. Yeah.
1: You know that's that's where I kind of come down on it, and I know I'm like I said before, I don't have any kind of proof to act, uh, substantiate this. I have a lot of circumstantial things which lead me to believe that. Like if you see the ties with Gisling Maxwell mm-hmm. and her father who's a Mossad agent, yeah, and knowing how many, how much that she used those ties to get involved with um, various different um, uh, heads of states and, um, and royalty throughout different nations, not just the United Kingdom. I mean, they were all over the place. Australia, I mean, Great Britain, the United States, Germany, Russia. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were involved with all the top leaders everywhere. And not only top leaders, um, you know, the top, I uh, guess what, uh what, what would they be uh, campaign uh, contributors mm-hmm. the uh, top law firms the top um publishing companies and they were in the loop of everybody who's somebody including a lot of major celebrities also mm-hmm. and so the only person who I can understand that can just give two random people who kind of don't have a real, tied to where a large sum of money for, would come from, even a Mossad agent wouldn't just naturally be wealthy. No. The only way they would be wealthy is if they were under some kind of operation, which they're running, which needed to run a high level of, of currency.
0: Yeah.
1: And so, by what I understand from just the way, you know, military operations and clandestine operations are, are done in general, it looks more likely to to edge towards something like that but like i said i don't have anything that could yeah confirm it just a bunch of circumstantial things and i have much more than those couple of things i
0: mentioned Mhm. yeah i just think we should ask these questions because that's we're not going to get any answers anytime soon but it's it's good to put that that info out there or you know that seed of doubt um i read on i was looking at his wikipedia and There was some interesting information here from a source uh state department once rented a townhouse seized from iran to oh it's from buzzfeed great um to uh, jeffrey epstein then sued him for subletting it so that's from july 14th 2019 and it says that um beginning in february 1992 Epstein rented a former Iranian government building that had ta- been taken over by the State Department during the Iranian Revolution at 34 East 69th Street in one of Manhattan's most expensive neighborhoods and at a rate of 15,000 a month. But things went sour when the government sued him in the Southern District of New York alleging that he had at one point failed to pay the rent on time and had violated the lease by moving out in early 1996 and settling the place without the state department's permission his sub- subtenant was ivan fisher a new york city criminal defense lawyer who had famously defended members of the french connection and pizza connection drug rings the government also sued fisher A lawyer for Epstein did not respond to a request for comment and attempts to reach Fisher were unsuccessful. A New York Daily News article from the time, headlined, Lawyer pays not a cent for palatial east side digs, said Fisher had stopped paying rent after learning that the State Department had terminated Epstein's lease as a result of the conflict over Fisher's subtenancy and was thus living in the home for free i'm the perfect tenant he's he told the daily news the pap- paper described the home's opulence carved oak doors a white marble foyer three kitchens three bath, three bedrooms a library with floor-to-ceiling bookcases a steam room 19th century chandeliers brass sconces and a white mi- marble central staircase i pray to god i can stay fisher told the daily news Epstein is described in the story as a Palm Beach, Florida financial advisor. The incident is also briefly mentioned in Vicki Ward's Vanity Fair article from 2003 that everybody knows about. The government's complaint rested on its assertion that Epstein had not received permission before installing Fisher as the subtenant, and its grievance with Epstein was only intensified by his charging Fisher 20,000 a month for the rent when state was charging 15,000 netting him a monthly profit. Hmm. The voluminous court documents in the case include a later amended complaint by the government which added more defendants to the suit, a clutch of other lawyers whom the government alleged were in turn subletting office space from Fisher. In a sworn statement, one of those lawyers, Lawrence Gerzog, told the court that he had had given Fisher free legal services in exchange for office space, among several other lawyers. The government eventually moved to evict Fisher, and the court ordered Fisher and Epstein, who in the course of the process were eventually involved in litigation against each other, to pay the back rent and to vacate the premises. An eviction order was served on July 16, 1998, and the marshal noted on the service receipt that the tenants had moved out. Okay, getting there wasn't an easy process for the State Department, which had begun by exchanging strongly worded letters with Epstein's lawyer, Jeffrey Shantz. These were included in the court filings. As you are aware, Mr. Epstein's apparent departure from the House and his failure to make timely rental payments in February and March of this year had been matters of serious concern to this office, wrote Thomas E. Burns, Jr., then the Deputy Director of the Office of Foreign Missions in April 1996 in letter attached to court filings, he wrote that the OFM had already found someone to take over the lease from Epstein, a developer named Xenophon Galinas, and that they would not approve the sublease to Fisher. In June, Burns wrote again, this time directly to Epstein, to notify him that he had violated the lease by leaving the property and subletting it and giving him, him, him 30 days to kick Fisher out and move in again himself. In August, Burns wrote again to tell Epstein that because Fisher was still there, the State Department was ending the lease. At the end of October, the government filed suit. Epstein was accused of carrying out an effort to put someone else in the house in his stead without clearing it with the State Department. When Richard C. Massey, an OFM official who had been the point person for his lease, was deposed in 1997 by the defendant's lawyers, he told them Epstein had appeared to make a concerted effort to put someone else in the property without state knowing. Mr. Epstein was shopping the property around town without our knowledge all over town. He had We had calls from real estate agents who asked us about it. I do not know how many people in the city of New York had a copy of Mr. Epstein's lease. Massey was not available to be reached for comment. What was Epstein up to? Who knows? Fisher, who reportedly once counseled law students to, t- to look into a mirror and practice telling potential clients their retainer was $100,000, was banned from practicing in federal court in the Southern District of New York in 2013 after a court grievance committee ruled that he had stolen money from a client. So that's a, whew, that's a lot of information. <laughs> That I didn't yeah, he hear before. He a, he
1: said, didn't he say it was the perfect tenant somewhere in there?
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> well Fisher, yeah. Not so good. Not such a good tenant. <laughs> they have like an article from 1997 in here too. Well, sometimes BuzzFeed News will do some news. You know, good for Rosie Gray for that. The the reporter who, who wrote that. Well,
1: occasionally they'll give them, they'll give them, they'll, they'll loosen their leash just a little bit. You know like those little retractable leashes that you have on little small dogs? Yeah little bit every now and then for
0: them they just can't mis- mention certain names you know <laughs> if kashoggi um, comes up you know if if trump comes up no if if yeah. clinton comes up no it depends on the source i mean i mean the the media outlet well, and, then, and then you gotta remember they kind of have to put out like at least one of those critical stories and then to look, they look like their care oh, you <laughs> did
1: one that's enough
0: and then they don't tweet and, it and then they're just like you know that's enough <laughs>
1: And then that way, if anybody tries to come at them and say, well, you guys didn't even say anything about this, or you guys um, went with the, main, uh, the mainstream, they can always go back to that one little article that they have tucked away Look at this to kind of defend <laughs> themselves with.
0: Look at this. Look at that. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, Vicky Ward is uh, an interesting figure because I see that um, Maria is still angry at her for betraying her back in the day when it came to Epstein. Um, and she kind of just wanted to, to get all this press and everything after the 2003 article was like unearthed or whatever from Benny Fair. And so it turned out that she was like chummy with Gilly Maxwell. So there's a lot of weird connections there that um, are not so fun to, to discuss. But interesting to, to think about the, the kind of company that they keep. They all kind of know each other. <laughs> a and lot of them. I
1: wanted to add in something. It's kind of like, uh, kind of an irrelevant detail, but I just kind of find found it a, a kind of interesting fun fact. Um, I can't remember which one of the sisters, but one of them who yeah. was like really cool with um, Bill Gates. Apparently, she switches from her uh, from her um, native British accent mm-hmm. into a southern accent. And she does some kind of weird purring.
0: Yeah. I read that in the Whitney Webb article, which I, I linked to in the yeah, our I was last like, discussion. What? I was
1: like, I, I got to remember to look this up. I got to, I got to, because I want to hear one of these interviews now because I'm pretty sure <laughs> this is something when you get a nice buzz on to sit there and it's going to be fun to listen to.
0: Yeah. Well, she said something about him. Oh, man. What was it? I, I got to get that quote because. That's interesting. Um well let me go back to the super awkward funcast. Cause that's where the quote the article is. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Just one second. We're gonna leave on that, I think, because we don't wanna take too much time. Um let's see. I remember when I read that I was like, what the fuck is wrong with this bitch? (laughs) Here it is! In a faux Southern Bell accent, Isabel purrs, "He's got to spend three hundred and seventy-five million a year to keep his tax-free status. Why not allow me to help him?" She explodes with laughter. Ha 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 That was my <laughs> attempt at a British Southern Bell accent. <laughs> is this woman a Disney villain? Maybe. I mean, what is wrong with her? <laughs> Anyway, um fun times. <laughs> we will prepare for the inevitable and I think we will we'll be in a good position because we do talk about things that they don't want us to talk about and we'll be the thorn in their sides. So, I think that's a good place to be rather than no standing in that. line. <laughs> I will never stand in line for anyone. I'm just not that person. Uh, I've never re- I've always bucked authority ever since I was a child, so that's not going to change. That's my demeanor. And I always fight back. I don't lay down. Others will. But you know. I'll try my best to keep them standing. For as long as possible.
1: Well somebody has to right?
0: Indeed. Any last thoughts?
1: Um, I I just would say that. Everybody should try to do. You know. Every day, try to just think of something that's a topic which you're not, that wouldn't normally think about, and just do a little bit of research and see what you can find out there. Um, Try to challenge yourself to get out of the narratives and listen to point of views which you normally would reject. Um, At least just hear them all, hear the matter all the way out. And then afterwards, you can still reject it, you know, afterwards. But Just try to do more listening, um, especially to people which you typically wouldn't listen to. Um, Case in point, I remember when I was on the whole Obama bandwagon, you know, years ago when he first got elected, um, a lot of the criticism which came out from the right wing, I just completely rejected it right off the bat because it was right wingers and then two Mm -hmm. because i knew a lot of those people that were making the criticisms already hated obama before he did anything so the fact that they were already coming from a biased lens it, it made it made their claim disingenuous um to me so it made it harder for me to listen when they were actually telling the truth about things and so later on Once I started doing more research and was able to hear from other sources, which I didn't find as detestable, then I was able to say, oh, okay. now I see what people are saying. You know, uh, even some of those right wingers, some of them have some points here and there. And so I had to actually do more research. And as I started doing more research, it's kind of like an onion. You just start peeling away layer after layer and you start finding out that no matter what's coming from the right wing or the left wing, or even a lot of these different, you know, independent political startup factions. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of talk, a lot of nonsense, um, a lot of piss poor organization if they're going to try to go against the system, or just sheep herding you to take your gripes and try to funnel them into some kind of use for themselves. Whether it's to try to get campaign donations to pretend that they're going to grow into this massive party one day or whether they are that just delusional that they think they can set up some little small party that a government that has been stomping out every little small party since the last third party went away, you know, back to almost like the Whigs. If you think you're going to do that against the billions and billions of dollars invested in the system, you don't understand what the hell's going on and you need to do a whole lot more research so i mean that's what i'd say just people do some more research educate yourself don't accept the narrative
0: yeah well great discussion glad we got to talk about this topic a little more thank you so much for joining me
1: well thank you for having me
0: no problem well that'll do it then (laughs) thank you so much for listening bye bye